In what way were the angels of Jacob's dream ladder like modern day elevators? Oh, I don't know. Don't even tell me the joke. <laughs> don't even say it. <laughs> they too had their ups and downs. Stop! Close that damn book, Evan. Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast. Where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. everyone welcome to the unblessed podcast my name is evan and i'm scott and we are two ex-gifted church greeters did you ever do uh greeting in church scott did you ever you know greet people as they came into the lord's house <laughs> absolutely i there was two different flavors of greeting i i feel like there was like the elite parking staff outdoor yes. greeters that you know first entry greeters and then you had the the inner chamber greeters those that are really close to the sanctuary did you have that same kind of setup two no, levels of greeting no i mean our church parking spot was pretty small we've talked about this i you went to a really ritzy church and i did not um <laughs> and, a gym. yeah um <laughs> we did not have a gym we had uh an annex that was the size of the room that i'm in did you at least have a basketball hoop somewhere on we on had site? one in the parking lot, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then behind it, we had kind of a field where we could play football. A big, big yard. kick rocks around and, you know. A big, big yard where we could play football. Stop. We had like a big, big <laughs> table with lots and lots of food as well. Um, no, but I did, uh, every now and then, they would make the youth group do the greeting. But oh, they'd be yeah. like, all right, it's time for you to be involved in church a little bit more rather than, you know, sitting in the back and playing on your phones. Um, and, you know... <laughs> send in writing uh little messages to each other with the programs and being like do you like me yes or no <laughs> oh my god church art program art i wish i kept all those pamphlets oh man i'm sure there's some quite some doodles i had in the in oh, years sure. past um and i feel bad about the doodles i'd be like oh man i wasn't paying attention you yeah. know but yeah. no i'm like what i was a kid i was a teenager like what the <laughs> As a teenager, you feel bad and amazing about everything. There's no in-between. You're just like, there's, yeah. you are truly the binary of emotions. Yeah, you're, you're just a, a complete mess of cells and uh, hormones and whatnot in oh, yeah. one package. Yep. We um, did, uh, so we did the church greeting. So we would have uh, the person at the front be like, Hey, welcome to church. Welcome to church. Don't tell me your name. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Get away from me. Um, and then um, not the church that I went to in high school, the one that I went to in um, 
in college and then the one that I went to when I was a kid both had the all right it's time to tell oh yeah the, meet your neighbor um and the one uh, because I started out as Methodist as a kid we had the peace be with you and me oh. and, and me and my uh friend Jackson we would always do um may the peace be with you and also with you we go like may the force be with you and also with you we were not uh we were southern baptist through and through so we didn't have yeah. any of that none of those incantations yeah <laughs> we would do that from time to time i don't know if it was every sunday but i do remember the turn to your neighbor give him a give scott him a grew sh- up in the shake. scott grew up in first tea party church <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I just remember the greeter, though. Yeah, you'd have to you pass pamphlets out, yeah. uh, open the door for everybody. I mean, it would be an introvert's nightmare. Now I think about it. And we would force kids and people to do it. Yeah. You'd be like, hey, get out there and just start, say hi to everybody. <laughs> Which I think, like, as soon as you get, like, the rhythm of it and you don't have to, like, really talk to everybody, all you got to do is just, like, hand them say hi. Shit, yeah. Know, and just be like, here. It's good this. job training to be, you know, be like a Walmart greeter or something too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I always, I always enjoyed it. I was just like, hey, hi, hey. Oh, I ate it up. Yeah, I. I was, I was like, right this way, Miss Lady with the third hip replacement. <laughs> that was my favorite thing uh, in high school and college was just schmoozing the old ladies at church and oh, just you being, are an old lady schmoozer i love i there it's the hottest crowd in comedy is old church that, ladies that scene in the producers where they sing along came bialy is about scott moran <laughs> with all the old ladies and the walkers <laughs> i can't help it when i have a hot crowd i i just eat it up and oh yeah church lady i was telling you about this we had this thing every year called Bell's Brunch, and it'd be a Christmas brunch where you'd have, like, all the old ladies would make these fancy tables, and they'd, it'd be the one time of year they'd bring out all their, like, fancy plates from home, and most people would drop them on the way in, but uh, <laughs> the men would, like, serve the food and act as waiters for the brunch, and it was always fun, and, like, my grandma my mom always loved it because we had to kind of wear a nice shirt and just go around and put a towel on your hand and I would just ham it up and I tell you what, like going over and waiting tables for these 90 plus year old ladies and you can just say the lightest, most diet joke and you just get a roaring crowd. I mean, I would just say, hey, careful, I spiked the orange juice and they will fall out of their chairs, fall out of their chairs and you walk back like a king back to the (laughs) kitchen. (laughs) I'm riding that high the rest of this week. (laughs) It was great. It was electric. Can't get that feeling again. I've still been chasing it. Still still chasing (laughs) that high. Well, speaking of old ladies and brunch, (laughs) Evan, what's our icebreaker? (laughs) Oh, my God. So uh, Katie and I went to um, this bookstore over in East. It's not in East Philly. Uh, It's just Philly. But like on the... uh, pretty much right on the Delaware river. Uh, it's over in that area. And it's just this bookstore that was just like, um, I mean, you could fit one person down each aisle. Um, it was kind of crammed in there. 
and I'll give credit to Katie. She was the person that found this. It's the Encyclopedia of Biblical Humor by Zeta Moisha. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, a.k.a. Rabbi Maurice Lyons. And Scott, yeah. this book is chock full of just wonderful jokes. And I'm going to read you one right now. Oh, my. Did Joshua replace Moses as Israel's leader? I don't know. No, he merely succeeded him. Numbers 2718, Deuteronomy 3410. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> this book has quote-unquote biblical humor, and it will have just a joke and then the answer and then have a reference. That Yeah, it's like Bible trivia yeah, put into a joke book. How, how do we know that the bricks with which the children of Israel built Pithom and Ramses uh, told stories? I don't know. We read concerning the, quote, tales of the bricks, Exodus 5.8. What? In God's name is this book. Hit me with another, Evan. In the time of Moses, who wore the biggest hat? I don't know. The one with the biggest head. <laughs> and that's what I hate about this book, is it goes from these, like, shitty-ass, like, this is a biblical trivia, to something like that, where I'm just like, that's hilarious. That guy, <laughs> he wrote that joke, closed the book... <laughs> Won the lottery instantly after that. Best oh day of his life. God. Oh, my God. In what way were the angels of Jacob's dream ladder like modern-day elevators? Oh, I don't know. Don't even tell me the joke. <laughs> don't even say it. <laughs> they, too, had their ups and downs. Stop! Close that damn book, Evan. No! no I refuse! I refuse. One more. One more and oh, we move okay, on. Okay, 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 okay. Um, how did Solomon amass his fortune? I I couldn't even know which direction he's going to go with this. I don't know. By folding each banknote he found into creases, it in fact doubled. That was me smacking my forehead if you couldn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Who prophesied their death? I said one more, but who, I don't know. The wicked, for tomorrow we die, Isaiah twenty two thirteen. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is just, at best, a play on words. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's the, this is the best, shittiest book I've ever gotten in my entire life. That is life. gold. How much did that cost you? What was, what was that running you? Uh, like $10. Oh, um, that's 10 bucks. <laughs> in Noah's Ark, what was the highest form of animal life? I don't know. Don't even say it. The giraffe. I knew it. I. God. Sh show me what, what's his what's his name again? Uh, Maurice Lyons. Maurice. Uh, Rabbi Maurice Lyons or Rabbi Zeta Moisha. Oh, man, oh, this is the best thing I've ever. Shout out to his family. He's probably um, passed at this point. He looked really oh, old sure. in that photo. Oh, Next Evan. to a garden, whom should we cultivate? Stop it. I don't know. Our neighbor, Leviticus 1918. Get. All right. Speaking of Bible references. <laughs> Who first held land in his own name? I don't know. What? Genesis 13, 12. Shut up. 
All right, one more. When was Adam created? Oh, no, I can feel this one. <laughs> A little before Eve. I hate this. Did the first man change his mind easily? No, he was adamant. Stop it. This is making me angry. <laughs> Uh, what do you think this guy was like at parties do you think he this just is like over 200 pages do you think he just favor? kept talking he would walk into like a room and they said to shove him out the door oh my. it's just like maurice leave get up maurice it's three in the morning leave have you ever thought about how many books of the bible there are <laughs> why wasn't noah's ark kosher uh i i don't even know where where what who how Ham was in it. Genesis 6, 10, 7, 7. This guy, somehow he, he, he's, it's working. I don't know how, but it's working for me. When Noah's Ark first took to water, what did it become? I, I couldn't tell you. Wet. Shut up. That's the last one. Close the book. <laughs> Close that stupid book. Oh, man, it's my favorite purchase in my entire life. What a dumb joke that was. It, it is became the great... wet. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I feel dumber for listening to all that. I I am on cloud nine. Oh. Like, I cannot achieve that level of comedy. What an amazing purchase. Wow. That's the... That it is the great wet. American novel. If If... Humankind gets wiped out and they can only recover one book. I hope it's that book. I hope I think it's the best summary of who we are as a people. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of wiping people out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> the master of transitions, talk ladies and about... gentlemen, Scott Moran. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna talk about um we're we're gonna uh, Right before Sodom and Gomorrah, um, so we're not going to talk about the full story of Sodom and Gomorrah, but the, the interesting part of it is Abraham interceding on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's Gamora. a... Gomorrah? Gomorrah? I barely know her. Oh, no. He's transforming. <laughs> I get, he's getting stronger. I've evolved. <laughs> this was the Thunderstone I needed. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Someone help me. Call the police. I can't. Uh, I need intercession myself from heaven. <laughs> so, oh, uh, I, I, we bring up this passage because everyone knows, I say everyone, but it's fair. It's made its way into pop culture, Sodom and Gomorrah. I feel like it's a very well-known uh, story, and you know that's where we get the word sodomy from. So, but it's, What about Gomorrah? I, I don't know. I thought that was the one I thought that was the one monster that Godzilla fought in that movie, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do uh, think but, I th think uh, like gonorrhea might come from it, but I don't know. Oh really? Yeah. I have no idea. I maybe I'm spitballing here. They sound uh, similar. So etymology. <laughs> <laughs> um well while you look that up, this is this is a verse that <clears throat> or a passage of verses I thought would be interesting. Um, it, it says a lot about who God is and, and it says a lot about theology of 
God's plans and will and how he enacts that will. Um, so it's pretty interesting to, to dive into this one. So shall we kick it off or did you find anything about Gamora? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm searching. half wrong. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, that counts. Uh, it's saying that like, maybe. All right, we'll take, we'll take a maybe. <laughs> we'll take maybe. <laughs> All right. So, um, I think I gave a pretty good background. So we'll just dive in with Genesis 18 verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. Hi, Lord. (laughs) How you doing? Then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare is the wicked. Far that far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, I can't even do voices like heaven. If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, <laughs> I will spare the whole place for their sake. How would you read that line, Evan? Um, if I Verse find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. We have... Uh, I don't even know who that was. <laughs> it's uh, a New Jersey person who grew up in Britain. The Wolverine from New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> the the Jersey Devil. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the Lord said, if I find that Sodom 50 righteousness, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find, or sorry, 45. I can't read. Uh, if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, <laughs> for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30, final offer. <laughs> he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then Abraham said, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. I love the idea of Abraham just annoying God into not destroying the city. He's just heckling him, just bringing him down. Like, what about 20? What about 19? What about 18? What about 17? What about six? I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. It's like trying to guess someone's birthday. April? Oh, yeah. Nope. May? Nope. June? I also the love the idea of the attitude that Abraham comes out with at the beginning where he's like, far be it from you to do such a thing. He's got this attitude yeah. of like... I like how you can just wear anything, God. Like, <laughs> it's a little backhanded. It's like, is this really the right move for your brand? Like, because you are like Justin, all so you know you have the right judgment, and you know he is kind of ma- doing a uh, sob story as well. He's like, I'm just a piece of crap. I'm just made I'm, from dust and ashes. I'm I don't know what's one for the you other. Know, but you're, you know, you're walking yeah. around the most high God. <laughs> You struck down that tower a few days ago, and, you know, yeah. that was a whole ordeal, and we get it. You know everything. Yeah. I'm just a worm. Yeah. I don't know anything. So Yeah, I couldn't get my wife pregnant for, like, 600 years. <laughs> 600. <laughs> it was only 99, Evan, or whatever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's, what, what's he heckled him down to? Uh, we're at 20. Yeah. So mm-hmm. suppose 20 are found there, and he answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. So he, he worked him down to 10, 
And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So, I love the idea of the Lord going on his way. Yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> ah, just fine. I'll leave. I got an appointment. I can't be late. <laughs> uh, gotta go check on Jericho. Grabs his hat and briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going out so, for cigarettes. I don't know the population of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was obviously more than 50 since that was the starting bid from Abraham. <laughs> so who knows what they were starting at? I, I want to point this whole story out because it is, it's fascinating because when I grew up, the theology that was taught about God was his plans are unchangeable. I mean, we had sing songs about that and everything was pointing towards how God set everything in motion. He knew the past, present, and future. He's unshakable, unchangeable. His will is will be done no matter what, whether you like it or not, in a sense. And yeah. this one is pointing out uh, intercession, which is really the main function of prayer, which has really gotten watered down in today's world. And I think that's yeah. what's interesting about modern day, uh, you know, I would say evangelicals, I should say, is, is how watered down prayers become. It's turned in this thing of just, well, just kind of whatever happens, happens. I'm just sort of doing this for the ritual of it versus we see these instances in the Bible of changing God's mind and changing yeah. his action by how much you kind of bring him down and kind of beg him to change the price on something. So yeah, like it's Abraham's kind of like haggling with God here and just being like, Hey, you know, what if there are only 20 righteous people? Will you still destroy the city? And God's like, eh, guess not. Yeah. What about, can I bring it out of 10? Yeah. Uh, 10 throwing in you, uh, seven and a half. Yeah. Throwing <laughs> in you, uh, throwing, throwing some, uh, throwing some seat warmers with that good old car. <laughs> seat warmers. God loves a nice seat warmer. Mm. Stadium seat? Mm. When you're you at the... walk away with the new Honda. <laughs> I just imagine when the price is right, just... Yole, yole, yole. I think you make an interesting point because this... Like, yeah. We do talk about in church about how God is not... Sh doesn't get changed, and then you ask the question, like, okay, well, what about prayer? And it's like, well... Yeah. That's more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something to be said about meditation and like having time with yourself and, um, spending time just kind of closed off from the world and just, you know, without distraction. Mm -hmm. I'll certainly, you know, concede and advocate for that. Um, but I think it's an interesting, you have, uh, people saying that prayer is more for yourself, but here in this passage, Abraham's prayers are for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. and for them not to die. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's true intercession. He is yeah. on speaking on behalf of this community, saying, don't do this, um, spare them. Yeah. And, you know, we, we would pray like this, I remember, for certain yeah. things. Um, <clears throat> but not in the sense of, having God withhold his wrath, but more about would God uh, bring his blessing, which yeah, is really God the same. Mercy. 
Yeah, like God, would you would you show your mercy to this school? You know, everybody here. Yeah. Which is also it, it's the flip scenario. You know, instead of God yeah. destroying, it's God blessing. But it's still the same mechanic of how much do you have to ask before these things are accomplished? Is it dependent upon us praying? Like, would have this? Would God have just knocked it down to ten, regardless of Abraham, because that's the right thing to right. do? Versus. Um, <clears throat> are people prompting God with what is so it, it? Just it really opens up a lot of questions, and um, I don't want to put a bunch of theology into this because I think some people have studied this way more than I have. But I think it's something that gets glossed over a lot in church verses like this because they are confusing and they're hard, and it's not you're not quite sure what to do with it with the narrative that has been given. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's just, this, it's is a, this is a hard topic to wrap your head around because you do have the concept of prayer where yeah. um, you do pray for stuff. Uh, you pray for healing, you pray for, you know, friends, you mm-hmm. pray for family. Um, you know, Damar Hamlin this past uh, yeah. week, the, the whole thing was pray for Damar. And you yeah. had like the NFL doing this big push because the guy got hit horribly. Um, I didn't get hit horribly. Uh, he just was in a horrible accident on the field. Yeah. And so I don't want to bring that into the conversation here, uh, and make some kind of real life scenario, but it does, um, bring up the question of how you have this aspect right here of, um, Abraham praying on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and God relenting. But then you have later passages where God just, where it talks about God being unchangeable. Yeah. His mind doesn't change. It's set out from the beginning. And so it brings up the question, you know, was God just going to spare Sodom and Gomorrah anyway? Yeah. And is Abraham just annoying God? (laughs) (laughs) You know? I think what's funny is that he doesn't start with, oh, if there was just one, and and it does say something about what's trying to be accomplished. And I think it says a lot about the story. I don't have a good word for this, but the, the storytelling aspect of the Bible, that this was a, an oral tradition and this was, I don't want to say entertainment, but stories are meant to be engaging and exciting. And something like this is a kind of classic you know, duel of the wits of, okay, well, we have someone interceding and a powerful God. And so I can imagine that this would be a fun story to tell and to share and how it's important to, you know, stick up for the underdog in a sense. Um, But then when you apply it to the whole landscape of the Bible, it, it doesn't quite jive, you know, something seems off, but. No. Yeah. And you also have to remember that like lots there. Yeah. Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so that's yeah. Abraham's prime motivation is like, hey. I know a guy. <laughs> let's uh let's kind of walk it down and say that there were 50 nice people there. What would you do? And God's mm-hmm. like, well, I wouldn't destroy it. What about 40? 30? <laughs> what about my nephew Lot? <laughs> yeah. You know, what How about just him? My buddy. How about, how about him? And um, yeah. And and we should we'll get into I think 
we could talk about the rest of the Sodom and Gomorrah story in another episode. There's a lot to unpack in, in that one. Um, yeah, absolutely. But it's a funny story. I remember reading it as a, as a youngin, and it didn't quite make sense. And there, there's another spot in the Bible, too, where there is intercession, and it's escaping me now, but yeah. um, there, there's another case. So this is not the only time, I believe, where there's a kind of back and forth and an intercession of, of that's this plane, I should say. There's always kind of a the mechanic of prayer in the Bible, but I, I do want to just kind of go back to the point of how it's kind of been watered down in modern-day evangelicals. Um, you know, prayer is sort of like this, ah, whatever happens, happens, and I'm going to pray for it, and then the outcome is going to be God's will regardless. So there is this aspect of pray as hard as you can, but at the end of the day, whether it's yes or no, it doesn't really matter. You know, and that's how it's, it just seems odd. Oh, no, he's pulling out the book again. I can see it. Sorry. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> yep. I can um, see him pulling out the book. Yep. Um, uh, how do we know that Abraham played baseball? My God, Evan. How? He pitched his tent, Genesis 12, 8. That is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. A worker in Sodom, armed, battered, and bloodied. Um, what does that say? Armed? I don't know what that says. Um, one hour late to the office. His explanation to his employer, I fell from the roof of my building. What was his employer's retort? I don't, this is so ridiculous. I have no idea. And this took you an hour? My gosh, this... What in the world? This is like a, a fever dream of a joke book. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Um, the best joke book I've ever had. Well, I don't know. I have no idea how long we've been talking about this subject today. But do you have any final thoughts on Abraham's uh, intercession for Sodom? I mean, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is so interesting because it's supposed to be like the um, worst, most sinful, most awful. Yeah pair of cities in the entire world and here you have abraham advocating and saying all right what if not all the people there are bad you know it does bring um, up a yeah really interesting point about as forsaken of a place as sodom and gomorrah has been written about in history that there's still abraham is still on their side of well you can't just wipe it out entirely if there's good people yeah. in that city so it is a a good point of yeah. God's compassion, and I mean, but yeah. And I mean, he's still like advocating because lots there and yeah. lot and you know, lot, you know, was pissed at Abraham and left and Abraham's still kind of like, all right, well, I got to go after lot. Like, mm. you know, um, and so there's a conversation about family to be had there. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, the story of Abraham is really interesting because it's the, it's a story in the Bible about the original building of the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what all Genesis is, is Genesis is, you know, building the foundation for the later laws that come later. And it's like, all right, still in the people of Israel, this is where we come from, you know? Yeah. 
this is these are our stories these are the things our people went through these are you know our old stories and the stuff we can take away from it and i think to note that this is pre moses so we don't have you know the commandments and the laws and the right. judges set up in place at this point yeah. so all you have is a culture of family mhm so it is a wildly different culture so obviously looking at it from 2023 eyes now it's we're so far removed from what this culture looked like um mm-hmm. but and i think that's where the problem comes with a lot of modern day you know materials on the bible is that they apply today's lens to all of this you know yeah. oh we should still just wipe out full cities like this you know that's what god did it's like well this is Telling a different story. Yeah. And it's a totally different world. You know, I can imagine a place where there was no written down laws or rules. You know, you had, you, it was based on trust and family and, uh, and hospitality and yeah. just, you know, yeah. It's, a, it's wild to think about, you know, early on in that, like, your family was kind of it. And it was like, mm-hmm. all right, we don't trust the other tribe because we don't freaking know who they are. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot happening. And I think the Bible is a fascinating book about people and about, um, I hesitate to say, but I would say like, I mean, the Western religion, so you know, Judaism and Christianity and Islam have all have their roots in Abraham. And there's a certain way of thinking that has kind of, evolved from these stories this like we talked about like the basing on trust and and family and how that's kind of evolved over the years so the bible is an important story about people um the problem is when it gets interpreted in a way that it's not you know it this is a a very old book and we don't know we don't even know much about the authors of this book in many cases so that's what's also fascinating so like it's um, commonly said that Moses wrote these books, but like Moses was long dead no. before it these is, books were compiled. Yeah. Based in, I mean, you can talk to any, you could go to a Southern seminary and they would agree with you that there are four different authors of Genesis alone. So it's, yeah. this is not just made up stuff. We know that there's been multiple authors based on how the, the writing is, the, the tone, the language, um, all that. If you the look at themselves, the stories, that's why it feels clunky to read through the Bible from cover to cover. People go, oh, it's yeah. such a hard book to read. You're not reading one narrative. This is, this is not like picking up the Lord of the Rings and you get like a, let's build this world and kind of walk through it. It's yeah. like immediately swapping from Dr. Seuss to Charles Dickens. And and then to a family history record and then back to Dr. Seuss and then back to... And then to Tolkien and then to <laughs> Stephen King. And, and then, then a really to... steamy sexual poem right in the middle. And then... <laughs> and then to uh, that guy who wrote The Giving Tree. I'm blanking on. Shel Silverstein. Yeah. Like just <laughs> bouncing all over the place with different yeah. types of voices. And so, yeah, it's hard. Um, yeah. And, and that's why I think I have a problem with people who, you know, well, that, you know, the Bible's a Bible, you know, that that's the way it's said and that's why I'm going to believe it. And that I don't feel like you're not taking care. Yeah. And I think that's what, I don't have a problem with the Bible at all. I, it's not, more that the interpretation of it and understanding that, like, I do have a respect for the Bible. I think it's, I think it is fascinating. I think it's told quite a, 
it's told a story about people and how we've come to be in today's world, but and it's yeah, a good it's, story. Yeah, we take a lot from it in modern day. Yeah. I mean, there's so many references that we pull from it, but Absolutely. Um, the just this cavalier mindset of, well, I just if it says it, I believe it, and you don't really analyze it, you don't think about it, it bothers me. It's And that's the thing, is folks who say that the Bible is infallible do not actually mean that the Bible is infallible. Yeah. More often than not, they believe that their interpretation of the Bible is infallible. Yes. And yeah. Because the Bible in, in and of itself cannot tell you how to be how it's supposed to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. And so when you run into folks who say, well, the Bible is infallible, there's nothing wrong with it, there's no way it can be uh, wrong or disagreed with, it's like, okay, well, then what does that mean to you? Do you actually believe that there was a tower built? Do you actually yeah. believe that there was a man named Adam? Yeah, the, once you start like, that, there's a whole, it's a slippery slope of, okay, if this is all 100% historically correct, then you have some holes. But then yeah. if you say the opposite and say, well, it's all just conjecture and it's just made up, that's also a problem because it's not. Yeah. There's There are historical pieces of it. There are pieces that are uh, have come from oral tradition, so they have roots in history, but then they got kind of, you know, just wiped out proportion and they kind of got grant, you know, uh, added some mir sprinkle and some miracles here and there. And you, you get this exciting story. That's not maybe a hundred percent correct necessarily. Um, I think the important part is just to know that the history of the Bible, yeah, there's, there's multiple authors. It's not just one person that kind of dictated it and then wrote it all down one go. Um, so it, it, it feels a little messy and clunky at times, but, um, this is just one example I think of with Genesis. Like I said, there's four different authors, so you get kind of different tone at times too. And you can see that you can look in your Bibles now if you have a any ESV or whatever, you'll notice that some will call God the Lord, others will call call God a different name, and that's the different authors. Some would refer to God as just you might see all caps Lord, others might see uh, like Yahweh or God. So there is anyway. Even that example is even proven in the Gospels where they are just coming mm -hmm. from different voices and different viewpoints of Jesus. Yep. You know, um, Matthew uh, and Luke are a lot more concerned with the heritage of Jesus. John's more concerned with uh, God being God, Jesus being God. Right. And Mark is a little bit more concerned with, um, Mark and Matthew, a little Getting bit Getting followers more on Instagram. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, they're a little bit more concerned with the humanity of Jesus. Yeah. Um, John's really the one that's concerned with the divinity mm -hmm. of uh, Jesus and really harps on it. Um, yeah. And so even within the uh, context of talking about, you know, Jesus, you have different perspectives on it. So, mm. yeah. Fascinating stuff. Well, what do you got to plug, Evan? What's on your, what's on the plug list? Ooh. Uh, I would like to plug. Oh, boy. <laughs> I knew it. The Here Encyclopedia of Biblical Humor by Zeta Moisha, <laughs> a.k.a. Rabbi Marius Lyons, is the greatest book I've ever purchased. Greatest story ever told. Oh, my God. Um, wow. Yeah, there's that. Um, the Bachelor's coming back. Katie and I are going to be watching that. So <laughs> I um, love that. It's just the second thing in line. <laughs> oh, that's great. When yeah, does it start? Uh, I'm actually excited. Uh, I think it's the Monday after the college uh, 
the college football uh, national championship. So. Gotcha. Exciting. Because that's going to be on ABC. And then it's just like, all right, what next? Uh, really stupid women and this one stupid guy. <laughs> A stupid guy and stupid women. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. So. What about you, Scott? Anything? Did you, in this past week that we've separated between recording episodes, did you find something to plug? I can't remember if I talked about this in another episode because I'm old. And maybe I already plugged this book, but uh, The Gift of the Jews. Was I talking about this in another episode? No. Okay. It's by Thomas Cahill. It's a fantastic read. It is about the history and the formation of the Jewish people. And it, it really just walks through the Bible, starting at Abraham going through Moses. And it's like an assessment of uh, the Torah, but from like a very real perspective. So it's, you know, there's parts where, you know, he brings up that there's why we emphasize certain things in the Bible that aren't emphasized other places. Like why there's so much emphasis on circumcision or why is there such an emphasis on war or, uh, you know, like why, why are these random records in the Bible of these familial lines. And it kind of explains that and why those were important to keep records of. And uh, anyway, it, it just shows how human people are in that. Yeah. But what I found fascinating is how uh, I was kind of hinting at it earlier, but how Abraham kind of broke this cycle of how humans used to think in more cyclical manner. Like mm. they would only, they would look around and you'd see, Oh, there's seasons, the stars go in a, the same pattern over and over the moon goes in a pattern. So they always see a pattern and now they just assume people kind of assume, well, we're in that pattern. So when we die, we'll just kind of come back to life or we'll just get sort of, you know, I'm not too worried about what I do with my life because life is just but a season. But then Abraham comes along, gets this calling to do something great. Yeah. And it kind of starts this linear thinking. So instead of just thinking cyclical of, okay, well, whatever, that's going to, my family will, keep going. So there's always emphasis on family and you just have kids and they'll kind of join, you know, follow your, your lead to more linear thinking of, no, my life does matter. And I could do something great and I'm going to kind of journey into the unknown and, and start something new. So it's about change. And anyway, fascinating book. I would highly recommend. He's got a couple books about the Bible and kind of assessing it from a more historical kind of yeah. uh, so less theology and just more like history and stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah, I have a good plug for once. <laughs> Yay, Scott, Scott. Oh, man, when you swing, you swing out of the park. I will say that. <laughs> that was a good one. Finally. So that's yeah. just like Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft. And um, Sitting. I played Pokemon Red. <laughs> I played Rocket League. Yeah. Well, thank right. you so much for listening, everybody. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your uh, ideas on what we should cover. Um, you can... Uh, reach us at unblessedpodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at unblessedpod. Um, also, wherever you get your podcast and wherever you're listening to this, if you want to give us a rating, uh, that really helps with the algorithm and really helps with um, just getting more listeners and spreading the show around. We really appreciate your time and we really appreciate you listening. Uh, there's one thing in this world that we don't get back and that's time and we appreciate you uh, spending that with us. Um, my name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close your Bible.